pointing the way towards freedom in an unfree world. This is The Liberty Effect with Ammon Bundy. It's great to be with you today. Uh, again, another beautiful day in the neighborhood, right, as uh, we used to hear it. And uh, anyway, I'm gra- I am grateful to be here, grateful uh, for anybody who's listening, and hope that we can, again, do some good. Um, looking over, uh, again, our crazy world that we live in, I don't know if it's just me or, you know, uh, my perception, or is the, is the world really seem, is it really crazy? Because it just seems that way. I mean, we've got so much going on, and, and maybe it's just the amount and the the, the, uh, the ability to communicate to media from all over the world. Maybe that's why it seems so crazy. Maybe the world has always been crazy, but it just seems like one thing after another uh, is going on in the world, and it just seems like it's moving so fast and that there's so much happening. And, and there's certainly a lot of good happening, but uh, also certainly a lot of, of bad and a lot of crazy things happening. And, of course, I learned for myself that the media focus try to fo- tries to focus on whatever brings uh, attention to their media outlet and typically, you know, crime or violence or something to that effect is what actually gets people to watch. I don't know why, but uh, why we're that way as people. But so you, we see a lot of it. We see a lot of, uh, you know, that type of stuff because I guess we're willing to watch and stay tuned. I, I know when we were uh, at the, the refuge there in, in Harney County at the uh, Harney County Resource Center, right, uh, we uh, went down in there the media was up on top of the hill and they would come down during the day and they would talk with us and shake hands and ask us questions and we'd answer. I mean, it was all, you know, really nice. They'd say thank you and they'd set up appointments so they can meet with us again the next day. And and then they'd go back up on top of the hill and report how we were some violent militant people that were hiding behind rock walls in these old buildings with AK-47s in our hands. And I just had to shake my my head multiple times because I, I, I thought that the truth of what was going on was impressive enough that it would draw uh, the attention of the, of, you know, the people, but evidently they didn't think so, so they had to hype it up and say we were some type of violent people in there. And anyway, got people to listen. However, it backfired on them uh, if there was such a thing with the media because the whole point, one of the whole points and purposes is for us to going into the wildlife refuge in the first place was to get the attention of the, the country and the attention of the world uh, on what was happening to uh, the Hammond family and also what was happening to you know, the agricultural community, the ranchers, loggers, uh, farmers, uh, miners, uh, and in particular, the people of Harney County, because it had been devastated with federal control and uh, literally had turned that little county into a feudal system where everybody was begging for just a little pieces of the crumb from the federal, um, you know, federal uh, kings who controlled all the land and the resources. So uh, anyway, 
I say that as maybe a little bit of a segue into what we're going to talk about, but also to give you a little perspective that maybe everything that you are watching on TV and even the craziness that you're watching is maybe not quite what's really happening. And, uh, and if it is, how many other good things are going on around you? You know, how many, uh, uh, people are, you know, caring for each other. How many uh, neighbors are bringing food to their, uh, their, you know, their friends and neighbors in need? Uh, you know, those things just don't get reported. Uh, you know, how many good things are going on? So, um, although it is hard to deny that our world is not crazy right now, and but remember, for I'm sure, I'm certain, for every. Uh, media-worthy bad thing, I guess. Uh, there's got to be, you know, hundreds of thousands of, of good things that are going on. And uh, I think and believe in general that people are still good, that their hearts are good. Um, I know that the scriptures talk about a time, and I think we're close to that, where the, the hearts of men uh, turn cold and that, that they lose the love uh, for their fellow man. And uh, we certainly can see that. Uh, but I still believe and have seen and experienced in my life where there has been a tremendous amount of good that has been uh, shown to me, shown to those around me, and that I have witnessed in my life. So um, there's a quote uh, from Benjamin Franklin that I would like to uh, give you, and I'm certain many of you have already heard this quote, maybe heard it many times, but it says, those who would give up essential liberty to purchase a little temporary safety deserve neither liberty nor safety. Now, it's interesting because, you know, it's pretty clear those who give up liberty, essential liberty, to purchase a little temporary safety deserve neither liberty nor safety. And I would have to say that they get neither liberty nor safety because I think, and I'm you know, certain and have experienced in my life that, um, that this idea of safety, this idea that someone is going to make us safe or, uh, and that it's, it, it's, it's okay to give up liberty for safety. And what I mean by that is, is so let's say like uh, in your little towns, in, our, in all of our little towns, are we willing to uh, hire, you know, let's say 25 new officers to put them on the street, uh, you know, to keep, uh, to keep us safe? And in, and, and in return, what do we trade for that, you know? Those cops have to justify their jobs. So next thing you know, everybody's, you know, people are getting pulled over for stupid little frivolous things. They're making sure that the, the kids aren't riding their skateboards on the on the sidewalks, you know. They're uh, uh, going to the football games and, you know, walking around with their uniforms and their guns and, and uh, making sure that the people are in line there and, and doing what they're supposed to and, and uh, you know. Well, maybe they're stationed at your your schools uh, to make sure, hey, that none of those kids, you know, have any kind of fight, dispute with each other. You know, the police will be right there making sure that doesn't happen. 
um, maybe they're uh, going into your even to your homes and uh, uninvited, and you can see what would what would be caused with uh, with bringing in uh, a, a large amount of people or even a small amount of people that their job is supposedly supposed to bring you safety. Uh, and how that would affect and actually uh, diminish liberty. Now, but the interesting thing about this quote, and one of the reasons why I wanted to bring it up, is that what Benjamin Frank Franklin was actually saying is a little bit different than most people uh, who read this quote initially and who quote to quote it actually uh, meant, although it's, you know, it's kind of in the same spirit, but, <clears throat> uh, the words kind of, let me give you a little background. The words appeared originally in 1755 and, uh, it was a letter that Franklin, uh, wrote, uh, on behalf of the P Pennsylvania assembly. And he wrote it to the colonial governor and it was during the time of the French and Indian war. So that kind of sets the well, and the letter was basically kind of in the middle of a power struggle between the governor and the assembly over funding for security on the frontier. And it was one in which the assembly wished to tax the lands of the area and to raise money for defense against the French and Indian attacks. And the governor kept vetoing because he didn't, you know, because he, uh, you know, he was being influenced by several of these families that own lots of property. And uh, he felt, uh, you know, a loyalty to them. So the dispute was between not so much about safety and liberty in the sense that we read the quote, but what it was is Franklin was actually questioning the governor's uh, jurisdiction, if you will, to even uh, provide safety uh, through taxes in the first place. Very interesting. And so this this ended up being a debate from Franklin over whether uh, government had a right to even provide safety in this manner or whether it was the right of the people and the duty of the people to provide that for themselves. Well, let's go to break and uh, we'll come back and talk a little bit about a little bit more about safety and liberty and the balance. So what is the cost of safety and how much is it worth? Uh, that's what we're discussing here this afternoon. Beautiful, beautiful day. It wasn't very long ago. I uh, a couple couple weeks ago, two week two weeks ago, I went out fishing with my son and a friend of mine, and he had a boat, and he's very versed in fishing. And we were uh, fishing for some uh, kokanee salmon, uh, and it was a lot of fun. And uh, if you've ever done that, you got to go about forty. Well, at least this time of year, you got to go about forty-five to fifty feet, and you've got to drag your lines uh about that deep and uh and attract them because they're not a predatory fish and and get them to 
you know, basically hit your line. And, and we did that and it was, it was really fun. But, you know, I'm sitting out there on the lake and I'm seeing other people using the lake. Some people are, uh, you know, uh, skiing, others are pulling tubes. Uh, majority of people in the morning, early morning, were just fishing. And I'm thinking, you know, in reality, uh, getting out on a boat and uh, out in the middle of water where it's too far to swim to shore, you know, uh, it, it actually could present a, a fairly significant uh, safety risk. You know, there could be a risk there. But so, you know, you know, maybe I put my I was putting my son and and uh, helping my friend. I was putting him in danger by encouraging this type of activity. But I can tell you that I felt free out on that water and I enjoyed it tremendously. And also being able to pull the, those fish in and put them on the ice and then later we smoked them and I'm still enjoying them today. I mean, I, I, I mean, that is freedom. We, we, we literally harvest uh, the fish from this, the, from this uh, lake, this freshwater lake. And, uh, but so, but was it worth the risk that we took as far as safety? I say absolutely. And I know that might or might not be a good example of, of a risk of safety, but everything we do in this life, uh, has a risk and it has a risk of us getting hurt or, or even killed or, you know, I mean, maybe financially hurt or whatever. This life is, it carries an inherent risk with it. And, and to go around and say that we have to make everything safe and everything has to be safe is exactly opposite of what this life is about. And to trade safety for, uh, to trade liberty for safety I mean, that is, you know, when you really boil it down, it is the, the absolutely incorrect thing to do. And I think a lot of it is uh, uh, spurred because of our lack of faith. And if I can, I'll explain to you. When I, when I uh, lived in Arizona and I was uh, contracting, there was an air gas company down there that basically they filled all these uh, – you know, like your welding tanks and your uh, for and for your medical gases and stuff for your oxygen, they filled those in that area. So you can imagine it's a pretty volatile plant. They had to make sure that things were handled correctly and all that. Well, on the wall, it said uh, safety. Uh, I need to get exact. Basically, safety is equals happiness. That's what it, that's what it said. It, essentially safety equals happiness. And I never really liked that, that, uh, quote on the wall. Although I get it, I get it that there has to be a, uh, a measure of safety. So you're, you're not taking a risk that is not needed. But yet when you go back into that plant and you go back there, there's these huge machines that you're they're pumping, to, you know, thousands of pounds of pressure into these tanks, <clears throat> and they're, uh, and they're, I mean, and you you got men and they're rolling them around, and they're, you know, there's different types of gases that are deadly gases, 
and there's all of these, you know, risks. And and I thought, well, the most the safest uh, thing to do here, if they really wanted to be completely safe in this plant, the safest things to do is to close down the plant and no one come to work. But see, that doesn't that isn't practical. That is not practical to close down the plant. Then what then what happens? And, you know, no one gets uh, welding supplies. We don't have our medical gases. So people run out of oxygen. You know, it takes a risk. Everything we do, it takes a risk when we drive to work, when we, you know, uh, when we're at work, um, no matter what we're doing. We are always at risk and we cannot allow ourselves to become a people that are so afraid uh, of everything that we won't actually move, that we won't be free, that we will not have liberty. And that, that's the point I'm trying to say, because there has to be, and it's not a balance. It's more of, you know, yes, you make sure you don't take the... Uh, the risks that are not needed, right? But you must still be able to get through life, go through life, and and enjoy life. Now, uh, there is no other, uh, you know, I guess entity that takes, you know, more liberty than the government. And I think I've well established that here on this show. Uh, government is the number one taker of liberty. It always has been. And uh, as long as it continues the way it is, it always will be. I think until, like Isaiah says, that the government will be upon his shoulders, meaning upon the shoulders of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Until that moment, government will be the taker, the primary taker of liberty. And yet it is the very thing in which people always run to in order to uh, be safe. And, and safety is the very ploy in which those government uh, agents, officials, in order to give themselves more strength, more power, more money, you know, more influence, they always say, they always want to trade liberty for safety. And we're seeing this all over the country. We're seeing it in the world. And again, I think it's tied directly to a diminishing or a lacking of faith because uh, when we're willing to trade, you know, let's say we're willing to trade our right to defend ourselves, to, to keep it and bear arms. If we're willing to trade it for laws such as like a red flag law um, where basically someone, you know, a person could be accused, but no due process has been given where they're considered guilty before they're uh, proven guilty and they're offered no, uh, you know, no presumption of innocence and where you can allow, where they're allowing or basically even uh, uh, the law is prescribing that uh, an officer or, uh, you know, bureaucrats can determine if someone is, uh, you know, and needs their guns taken away and then they can just go take it away in the middle of the night or whenever they want. Well, that is a trade, uh, a loss of liberty for security. And it is being promoted by government, and it is being allowed and, uh, and 
sanctioned, I guess, by the people because of their fear. And fear comes because of the lack of faith and the lack of knowledge of God and the, his plan on earth and also a fear of death. I mean, someone who has faith in God and understands his plan does not fear death because they know they'll go back. Yeah, they might be sad of who they leave here, but they know God will take care of them and that they will not fear death so that they will move about as a free person, much more free than the one who is stricken by fear everywhere they go. And also knowing that God is in charge, that he calls the shots and that he can protect us if we ask. Timely, credible, thoughtful discussion without the partisan outrage. This is the Loving Liberty Radio Network. So maybe we should all just stay home. Um, you know, we could do it in the name of safety and we might get away with it. We could tell, you know, those, you know, your, our bosses or those who are relying on us. We could say that, you know, the work, the, the work, the, the roads were too, da- too dangerous. They're just too dangerous. You know, I, I, I couldn't, I couldn't go to work today, even though it's sunny and the roads are dry and there's no, I, I just, it's too dangerous because more people die in cars than they do in ha- airplanes. So, I, I think I better stay home today. Isn't that a good excuse, right? Uh, or maybe we take the excuse, well, maybe we should spend uh, billions of dollars uh, in increasing our law enforcement in our little town uh, so that somehow that's going to translate into us being more safe. And uh, I, I always find it interesting how, how willing we are uh, to – run to the government for for really almost anything but for our safety and what benjamin franklin was trying to bring out in this letter and in this quote when he says those who would give up essential liberty to purchase a little temporary safety deserve neither liberty nor safety what he was the main point when i did the history on this was that look the people uh the people can have a right and a duty and are better at defending themselves than the government is. And that why would they give up uh, their liberty for safety when they're better at being safe or when they're better at creating safety for themselves and while doing it, they actually increase liberty. And so I echo that. I echo that. Why would we give up our liberty for security and then receive neither. And in fact, we receive just the opposite. Um, I actually don't have my stats in front of me, but more people are killed by, uh, uh, by officers uh, in this country than they uh, are. I guess I say um, uh, guns. I, I, and I don't have them. They, then they are by, uh, by criminals. And, uh, we know that we've we've surpassed the amount of money that is collected through asset forfeiture, which is theft by the government, another 
staffed by the government. We've surpassed that amount, which surpass, or it surpasses the amount that is taken by criminals. So is that not a direct uh, evidence that by giving up liberty, liberty for safety, we receive neither. And in fact, what we receive is we're less safe and we have much less liberty. And it makes sense to me. I'm sure it makes sense to most of you. So why, why, why do we not, you know, take on a little bit of response, a little more responsibility of for ourselves um, and, you know, be more of a community-minded people. Uh, and what I mean by that is looking after our neighbors and have less police force, have less laws, have less restrictions, more freedom, more liberty. Uh, why don't we keep more of our money, more of our funds, more of our uh, hard work uh, and the fruits of our labor? Let's keep it in our pockets. Let's use it into our homes. Let's put it into our communities, helping our neighbors. You know, let's increase, uh, you know, the, the, the good around us through these efforts and through these funds, not just give it away for some fake security that really is not going to happen and, 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 and has been proven to, uh, to just give us the opposite. So did you hear about that 61-year-old man in, in Maryland uh, that was shot to death by police because he would not turn in his gun under the new red flag law? Yeah, so this man, you know, I don't know much about him, but he didn't hurt anybody. I know that. That's a fact. He didn't harm anybody. But somehow he was flagged under this red flag law. And he was given no due process, but he was flagged by bureaucrats, and now he is dead. A man lost his life. This man, you know, he, he believed that he had a right to possess a gun. And I don't know whatever gave him that right, right, or whatever gave him that thought. I mean, it couldn't be the Second Amendment where it says the right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. And then there's a period behind infringed infringed it doesn't go on so i don't understand why we even have any law whatsoever at all that infringes the right of the people to keep and bear arms but there's certainly a whole plethora of them and now a man is dead he's dead because he believed he had a right to possess a gun and you know bureaucrats and uh police officers they must thought their process must thought that they they uh, they must believe that creating and enforcing unconstitutional law is more important than a person's life. And to me, that that just is hard to fathom. I, I can't imagine that how a police officer thinks that somehow uh, his duty is not to protect life but to take it. And it is a I mean it is an absolute failure. When any officer of the law kills somebody. Now, I'm not saying that it's not necessary at times. It should be very rare, very rare. But I'm not saying it's not necessary at times because they do have officers of the law have a right to defend themselves. However, it is still an absolute failure in their office because their duty is to protect life, number one, not to take it. 
Okay. And I know that the training that they get, uh, they, and most of it, most of this training now is done under these federal, uh, law enforcement training centers. They go there because the, 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 the feds give it to the local municipalities, the sheriff's departments, the local law enforcement uh, departments. They give it to them for free. So they send their officers and they go get this training and they become a certified law enforcement officer. And then they come back and they show, hey, I got my federal certificate. The problem is, is what they're training those people there. What they're training the officers, they're training to them to escalate, not de-escalate. They're training them to use force, not peace. They're training them to be force officers, not peace officers. And that's the problem. And then they're equipping them. They're justifying them. Then they're saying, you know, the, that the, the attorneys and the courts will back them up in these things. And they certainly are. But it is a, a training specifically designed to create escalation through the use of force, not uh, de-escalation. And, and you can see it. When an officer comes up, you automatically know what kind he is. When he comes up, no matter what situation, whether he's giving you a ticket or just saying hi, or if he's trying to uh, take, you know, take care of a situation, you can automatically know if he's going to be someone that's, that subs, uh, you know, uh, subscribes to the this escalation theory or if he has rejected it. And most of them have, have uh, accepted it and, and subscribed to it. And so, because you can see, they'll come up and they immediately begin to use force. They don't try to find out what the situation is. They don't try to gain the confidence of the people around them. They just try to use force. You know, they begin to demand and they begin to say, you know, what I heard many times in uh, when I was incarcerated, uh, things like every word out of my mouth is the law. That's what they would say, you know, and that's what they believed that whatever came out of their mouth was the law. Now, I'm not trying to get on a, on a you know, rat again, of, you know, about officers. I'm just trying to point out that there is uh, there there's things that have happened that are, threaten our safety and our liberty and. And that we have paid for this, we have even asked for this, and I'm talking about generally as a people, and we are, generally as a people, we have been willing to trade liberty for safety under this idea that somehow we're going to be so safe that we can do whatever we want at no risk. And that is absolutely a lie. You cannot live this life without risk. I'm talking about all kinds of risk. And actually, those who take the most risk in many cases, in most cases, but not unnecessary risk, those who take the most risk are actually the ones who benefit the most out of life. They're also the ones who we usually admire the most. They're the ones who gain the most, the ones who grow the most, and the ones who actually typically are the, are fulfill the purpose of this life more fully. Do you remember the parable of the talents? It was the one who went out and risked the talents that came back with more to the Lord. And the one who didn't, who buried his talent because he was afraid, was the one who lost his blessing. Think about that. Let's go, let's go to break and we'll talk here in just a few minutes.
So what do you fear? Uh, I've learned some, some by choice, some by not, that most fears are really, that's all they are. Uh, they're just the boogeyman. And uh, I remember when I was a young man, uh, very young, like a young boy, uh, the Corel was probably about, I don't know, from the house, I would say like, you know, a football field away, maybe a little more from the house. And uh, we would go down there and we, it would be dark. We'd have to do our chores and it was fine, you know, whatever it was, uh, milking the cow or feeding the cows or, uh, you know, whatever it was. But for some reason, walking back, I would always get this like, like little fear in me. And so I just start running. And sometimes my brothers and sisters would do the same thing. We start running as fast as we can to the, to the, to the house. And you hit the back door really fast and then there's the light and then you're okay, you know? And, but in reality, there was never, ever anything that we should have been afraid of. It was just, and during the day it was just fine. I mean, we went all over and went back and forth to the corral, you know, many, many times a day. And it was no fear. Uh, but some reason that dark being in the dark, uh, as a little boy, some reason, you know, brought fear, but the reality of it was there was no reason to fear that it, it was just something that we allowed ourselves to emotionally feel. And, and then, you know, when we acted on it, then that fear would kind of rise and we'd start running as fast as we could to the, to the door. And my point I think is obvious that most of our fears, even as adults, and probably even especially as adults, are not real. And we should not give them much attention. And I'm not talking about being reckless, you know, I'm not talking about, you know, walking on the edge of a of a five hundred foot cliff, you know. That's not what I'm talking about. But I'm talking about our fears in life, especially when it comes to safety. Uh, and what is better to find security in than one is ourselves and two is our neighbors. But to give up our, you know, I should say kind of right, I should say it is our definitely a right, but to give up our right to safety, to, you know, to defend ourselves and all those things to somebody else like a police department or a sheriff department, uh, to give that up is not the way to say safe. And in fact, there's a good chance that that uh, department, as we've talked about, uh, may begin to do things that actually make you uh, less safe. And there's lots of examples. But the point is, is where should we put our trust? Uh, and where should we move when we want to be safe? And it should be among ourselves, and we should put our trust in God. Yes, in God. I say that loud and boldly because God has the ability to create worlds without ends. He created us. He controls all things. And he listens to our prayers. And sometimes when we're afraid, we just simply have to pray and ask and plead with him that whatever we're afraid of, that God will make sure doesn't happen and then have trust that it is his will and let it go. But what we don't need to do is create laws that 
that de damage and diminish our liberties. We don't need to give up all our work, our labor, the fruits of our labor to a, another body, political body, or, or people uh, at, to, that supposedly are going to keep us safe. No. We look after our neighbor and we trust in God. We love our neighbor, we care for him, and we trust in God. And I sit here today, literally, talking through this microphone over the radio. I sit here today because of God, because he pulled me and my family out of the grasps of wicked men. And how could I be anything but grateful to God for his hand upon my family and upon myself? And I, I trust, I know that what, when I do what is right and when anyone else, because God is no respecter of persons, when we do what is right, God protects us. I trust that God guides and directs each person. If they will listen to just, if we just listen, and then if we obey to what we're, what we're hearing and understanding, I, I trust that he directs us. And he can direct us away from danger. He can direct us uh, in a way to defend, in a way to protect, in a way to help our neighbor. Uh, and I know this, and this is the true way to be free and secure. It is not through the means of man's. God has warned us many times not to trust the arm of the flesh or the, the flesh of man, the arm of man. He's told us not to trust that. So don't give your trust to government or to some law enforcement body and don't act and, and react in fear. Act in faith and put your trust in, in the one who can truly protect and keep you free. Because I know that no, any man of faith, no man of faith can be oppressed uh, by other men very long. I, I, I know this for myself because any man of faith, he'll either demand freedom or he will be willing to accept death because he's not afraid to go back to the God who may gave him life. He might be sad. He might sorrow a little bit because of the, his family, but he knows that it will all be right in the end because he has faith in God. And so either way, he'll be free. And uh, we, we literally in this life have nothing to fear. So let's trust God. He's the author of freedom. And when he directs us to do something, we should do it. We should act. And we should act immediately. And we should act in, in, with as much zeal as we possibly can. And we should live life that way and be free. And uh, we, we certainly are losing even the even the ability to know what freedom is. We think in, in our situation, in our life right now, we think that the circumstances, the society in which we live right now is free. But I am certain that if someone's come back to life that lived a uh, hundred years ago and he saw what was happening today, he would argue with to the, you argue with you or myself or anybody who would try to say that we live in liberty now he would argue with us to the bitter end because he would know and then let's go back a little further maybe 150 years maybe 200 years now we're reaching you know the the beginning times of 
of the United States of America. Freedom truly reigned back then. People were free to go about. They were not they were free to act for themselves and not just be acted upon. Think about that. The ability to act for yourself is freedom. It is liberty. And and if you do not, it is it is almost like a, what is it? Newton's law, uh, where for every action there is an equal and opposite reaction, right? Well, that's the way it is when it when it comes to be acting or being acted upon. Either you are someone who acts for yourself and makes those decisions and acts for yourself, or someone will act upon you. And that there should not be a balance. You are here in life to act for yourself. We are here to act for ourselves. And we must not become a people and a nation and a society of people that are just acted upon. We miss the whole purpose of life. How can we choose who we're going to be? How can we choose what we're going to do if, if all we have become is a people that are acted upon? That's why I use the definition of communism so often, because the very last part of the definition of communism, which I don't have in front of me, but basically is that the government decides what work you will do. They control the means of productions. They own all the property. That's what communism is. And all that translates to the inability for people to act for themselves when they own property, when they can uh, extract the resources and make things out of it. It's the ability to act for yourself, to say, I'm going to do with this property what I want to do. I'm going to do with this material. I'm going to invent. I'm going to you know, increase. I'm going to produce. These are all measures of acting rather than being acted upon. And I implore you to have more faith, and I will do the same, than fear. And to become a people that act rather than be acted upon. And I thank you for your time today. Have a great, beautiful Thursday. Timely, credible, thoughtful discussion without the partisan outrage. This is the Loving Liberty Radio Network.